everybody. This is Nate Johnstone. And this is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast with, as usual, Paul Anderson. Here I am. The reverend, the very right and reverend Paul Anderson. With focus on the right there. With focus on the right. Um, we've been talking about the cross and we're going to keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. If Paul said that he needed to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified, then I think it's something that we can keep talking about for a while because it, it just is that important. And no matter how many times I look at this, I always find something new. I always see something that I didn't see before. I always find a new way in which it applies to my life than I did ever before. And that's why I am so thankful that we at our church at Lydia House, we follow some of the traditional church calendar, mm-hmm. at least in the sense of observing Lent and Advent and some of those, because I think having a time every year of several weeks, six weeks, I think Lent is, where you really focus in on this. It's just necessary. I marvel. It's necessary. As we look back at these passages, I marvel at the glory of the cross. Mm -hmm. And I too find much strength again and again. Yep. it's, It's a topic you can't talk about too much. I mean, you just can't. And so why don't we talk about it by way of just going through it. I mentioned uh, last time that I really like John's and words and descriptions. So I'm here, John 19. So John 19, Paul's going to start reading and let's just read through the story. And when you want to make a comment, make a comment. And I'll, do, I'll do likewise. Thank you. I'll interrupt you. I'll try to do it politely. Yeah. Verse 16. So he delivered him over to them. To be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. So he was bearing his cross, but he didn't last. Mm-hmm. He didn't carry it all the way because he had been beaten so terribly, so horrifically, the kind of beating that would kill some people, 40 lashes minus one, with strips of of uh, leather with rocks, mm-hmm. metal tied to it. So it opened up his back and probably his legs as well. So he was weak. Very. Th- and the cross is heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it was just the cross beam of the cross that went across your shoulders into your wrists, or if it was one piece that had been lashed or nailed together, we're not sure. Um, but it's heavy. We're talking yes. about rough-hewn timber. It was so heavy, and Jesus was so weak at this point that he couldn't carry it himself. We learned that he, he fell, and he tried to get up and fell again. So the utter weakness, utter humiliation, he can't even carry it. Because after, I mean, it, we read in elsewhere in Roman history that uh, 40 lashes with the cat of nine tails was considered a death sentence. Jesus got 39. So that's pretty close. <laughs> I mean, he was not doing well. Just blood loss alone. I don't know how he could have stayed conscious. And it was, that was after a night of beating. Um, and so he stumbles and they grab someone or someone volunteers, this guy named Simon from Simon, Cyrene. Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, tradition tells us he was very dark skinned and he picks up the cross and carries it the rest of the way for which he, I think was sainted by the church later. I actually should look that up because I'm not sure. Verse 18, there they crucified him and with him two others one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. 
Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And they did that for purposeful reason, as you know. It was just mm-hmm. outside the city. It was on a major thoroughfare. It wasn't out in a field. Right. It, was, it was right there by the street so that as many people could see it as possible because the Romans wanted to terrify potential right. robbers, thieves, murderers. They wanted to say, this is what you will get like what Jesus got. Yeah. Outside the city in that reckoning doesn't mean out of town. Mm-mm. It means right outside the city walls. Just outside. So we're talking Main Street on your way into town. Mm-hmm. Very, very visible. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write, well, that's pretty bold, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. He was already mad at these people. Yeah. They made him feel guilty. He didn't want to do this. and. He, he got roped into it. He gave in. He was a weak pilot. He was a weak governor that gave in to the crowd and turned Jesus. And he's feeling guilty. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. <laughs> well, w- way to go, at least there, Pilate. Yeah. But you yeah. messed up really bad. You guys are pushing it. Just look, huh? let's be done with it. We remember him every time we say the creed, mm-hmm. crucified under Pontius Pilate. So he may have physically washed his hands, oh my. but it didn't really work because we, no. we have said for 2000 years, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. His, his wife probably gave it to him bad. Yeah. I mean, he, you can try to abdicate that kind of authority, but it's still your decision. Yeah. It's still under your authority. Yep. He, he, he made the decision. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. Also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. So many passages, this was Mm -hmm. to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus. Okay, listen to this. Who's there? Mm -hmm. Who shows up? Who's not there? Yeah, and this is right next to the cross now. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister. As you said on Sunday, Nate, it was prophesied by Simeon, a sword shall pierce your own soul also. Mm -hmm. And Here it was happening. Watching your son be killed, that certainly would pierce your soul. Yeah. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So we've got Jesus' mom, some of the disciples' moms, Mary's sister most likely being the mother of James and John. Mary, the wife of Clopas, was the mother of James the Younger, or James the Lesser. And of course, Mary Magdalene, we know. Lots of Mary. Yes. When Mary saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. Which is John, the disciple John, the author of this book, is the disciple he loved. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And this is kind of odd because Mary had at least four other sons. Three other sons? 
She had other sons. We know that. <laughs> right? And what is Jesus doing here? I mean, here's your son. Here's your mother. I think what this is about is that Mary came to Jerusalem. I think she was already with the disciples for Palm Sunday. His brothers were not. They don't believe at this point. They're not there. They're not even there to support their mom who's watching their older brother get killed. And they've heard about it by now. The whole countryside would have heard about it. Jesus was pretty famous by this point. And so they knew their brother was getting executed and they didn't come. Not only that, but they must have known how dangerous this would have been for Mary. Because if the crowd has risen up and has gotten the government to agree to kill Jesus, then Mary's in danger. That's for sure. Everybody knows, quote unquote knows, that this was an illegitimate birth, right? Because they don't believe the whole virgin birth thing. Mm-hmm. So they easily could have just grabbed Mary and oh, let's kill his whore mother too. And they could have stoned her before anybody could do anything about it. Um, this, Mary's in danger here, real danger. And I think the other disciples know how much danger they're in, which is why John's the only one here at the foot of the cross. It's the ladies and it's John, which bugs me. I feel like these guys are kind of cowardly. The brothers, the brothers, you could say they're cowardly and shirking their duty to protect their mother. And I think that's true. But I think a lot of it is they, they're just bitter. They don't, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah and they're bitter against him. And, and there, there's problems there. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of issues there. But where are the rest of the disciples, man? Why is it only John and the ladies? They're, the ladies are the only ones who have the uh, guts, the guts, the, the, yeah, the guts to stay this close, to be right here where everybody can see them. Everybody's going to associate them with Jesus if they don't already. And, and they're the ones who are there along with John. And they're the ones who go to anoint the body afterwards as That's well. That's a really good point. They're the one who go, who's going in the morning. All the guys are running scared. And the girls are here. And, and there's some significance to this yes. that I think we could try to mine a little bit. There's a lot of it there. And, and, and it's true the next day. And it's true on Easter morning. It's the women who are there. And so Mary Magdalene's the first one um, to talk to Jesus and runs back. And they call her the apostle to the apostles because she's the one who told the apostles, hey, it's Jesus. He's risen just like he said he would. And of course, sadly, they didn't believe it. And of course, they didn't believe it. Right. Um, it's, it's just, it's interesting to me. And I think it's a, it's a sad testament to the rest of the disciples that they're, that, they're, that they're not here. Now, I think they're there somewhere. I think most of them are looking on because Peter gives his account through Mark. And so he saw the crucifixion happen. Peter did. But I think he was under a cloak behind an ox cart, somewhere, you know, somewhere, somewhere in the back mm -hmm. where he couldn't be seen based on his denying of Christ just before that, the night before. Um, and so anyway, lots of questions here. Where are the, the, where are the disciples and why didn't they show up? Where are Jesus' brothers? Why didn't they show up? But what's the most important is that Jesus, as he's being killed, okay, I, I can't believe he can form words or uh, is still conscious. Honestly, I can't believe he's still conscious. But not only is he conscious, but in the midst of all this suffering, he is thinking about other people. He has already said, Father, forgive them. And then he has led one of the thieves, yeah. says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. Yep. So he is truly thinking about others. Yeah. He's, and he's doing ministry. He's doing ministry to criminals. And he is forgiving people who are killing him and torturing him, literal torture. And he's doing that from the cross. All he's thinking about is other people. This is, it's just amazing. And then, so those things have already happened. And now he's thinking about his mom. He loves his mom. He's a boy who loves his mama. The first miracle Jesus ever did earlier in the book of John in chapter two was to make a bunch of wine for a wedding. 
And he's like, ah, I don't, my time hasn't come yet. Let's not do that, mom. And Mary doesn't even listen to him. And she just tells the servant, do whatever he tells you. And Jesus is like, okay, ma, I'll do it. You know, so he, he's, he's a good son and he loves his mother. And he knows the kind of danger she's going to be in right now. Maybe he even knows something prophetically. Maybe he has seen what could happen to his mom and he doesn't want it to. We don't know for sure. But we know that he turns to John because his brother James isn't there. Jude's not there. The, the brothers are gone. And so he turns to John, whom he really trusts, and who's the only man at the foot of the cross who he knows. Because in that culture, uh, legally speaking, a woman needed to be under the protection of a man. That's just the way that culture was. And so a married woman is under the protection of her husband. Ownership would maybe be too strong of a word, but it's not that far off, to be honest. But Mary's husband was dead, so then she was under the protection of her eldest son, who is Jesus. Uh, but now he was about to die, and the other sons aren't around. So being concerned about danger in the crowd and everything, he says, John, behold your mother, and mother, behold your son, speaking mm -hmm. of John. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this earlier, but deathbed confessions, even in America today, can often have legal consequence and be binding. But at that time, this was like a last will and testament. Mm -hmm. And he says it for any and all around him to hear, including the Roman officers and any other officials. There was somebody from the priests was there because they were yelling about the sign, right? And so there are officials around. And he's saying this out loud to let everybody know, my mom is now under the protection of this guy, John, mm -hmm. his, uh, her nephew. And he did that to make sure she was protected because he loved his mother. And he knew that this was going to be rough for her. Not only potentially rough, but literally rough. The sword yeah. was piercing her own heart right now. I mean, how much Jesus must have wanted to comfort her, you know, and tell her hey, this is, he can't really say it's going to be okay. Because he's gone. And although, yes, he's coming back, he's only back for 40 days, then he's gone forever. So she's losing her son for good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's for a good reason, but that's not much comfort to a mom, you know? So I just, I just love, family is so important in the Bible, and it's so important to us now. And I love all the family connections with Jesus and how important it is to him. I think that's really a beautiful thing. Thank you for that, Nate. Well done. Verse 28, after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. What's going on there? So there are two drinks that Jesus has during this, during this period of time. One is when he's walking in to be crucified, carrying the cross, or perhaps Simon was carrying it at that time. And he was offered wine, actual wine, mixed with uh, gall, which is myrrh. So wine mixed with myrrh. And that's a throwback to, you know, the wise men's gifts who gave him myrrh as one of the gifts. And one of the things myrrh does is it's a painkiller. It tastes disgusting, but it's a strong painkiller. And so they would mix that with wine, which is another painkiller, and they would give it to people who are about to be crucified as a mercy. And Jesus tasted it, and he refused to drink it. And there are reasons for that. Um, namely, he, wanted, he didn't want a painkiller. He wanted to fully experience the pain of the crucifixion because that was part of the point. Part, the, part of the punishment he had to take was the pain, and he didn't want to numb that. He also wanted to keep his wits so that he could fulfill the scriptures by saying the things he needed to say and doing the things he needed to do. So that was the first drink. And then it says here in John 19, 28, it says, to fulfill the scripture, he said, I thirst. So he had that in mind already. He knew what he was about. I, it's hard to believe. I, it must have just been the grace of the Holy Spirit that kept him so alert mm -hmm. during this. Because, I mean, I don't doubt Jesus's mental toughness, but I don't know that anybody could have stayed with it during all of this. So. He's really relying, I believe, on the Holy Spirit here 
to keep him going, to give him enough grace and enough energy to, to make it through to do what he needs to do. And many, many, many Christians throughout history who've been martyred have experienced the same thing and said some of the most beautiful, amazing, prophetic, eloquent things while being murdered. Uh, it's really interesting. I have a book that goes through all the different famous martyrs and the things they said while they were being martyred, Stephen being the first. And it's, it's absolutely incredible. So the Spirit is really with you at the moment of death. The Spirit is really with you when you are being persecuted. When Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, like he really does mean it. Um, and the Spirit is with him now. And so he says, I thirst. And they've got a jar. It says, verse 29, a jar of sour wine stood there. Now, sour wine isn't wine. Isn't what we would call wine. It's uh, vinegar. Okay. Probably something akin to balsamic vinegar. Um, not as yummy as like what we put on salad dressing. Like imagine the kind of vinegar you use to clean windows and stuff. It's probably, you know, something like, uh, but it's something, right? They can't use water because water goes stagnant um, and gets nasty out here in the desert in the sun. Um, so they got to use something else. They didn't want to give them wine because these are people being crucified after all. So they don't get wine, but they had something. Um, so I think there's a couple reasons why he does this, why he says, I thirst. Um, some is to fulfill scripture. So it says to fulfill scripture. So we know, hint, hint, spoiler alert, part of this is to fulfill scripture. He says, I thirst. And then it says, so they put a sponge of sour wine, sorry, got to turn my page, on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. So there's a sponge on the end of a branch. They dip it in the jar of vinegar and they hold the branch up to Jesus's face. It says a hyssop branch specific. Why do they mention the name of the wood that the stick is made of? That is a bizarre, specific thing to include in this story. And as you folks at home are studying scriptures, when you come across something that's really, really specific like this, it's like, ding, ding, ding. Why is this so specific? Why does the Holy Spirit care what kind of a tree the branch is from? It doesn't tell us what kind of a tree the cross is from. You would think that would be super important. It's not important at all. It was important that this was a hyssop branch. Why? Because Jesus is being killed as the Passover lamb. This is Passover. The Passover lambs are being crucified right now in the temple as Jesus, the true lamb of God, is being crucified on the cross. And in the Passover story, the Israelites were meant to kill a perfect lamb and to spread the blood of that lamb onto their lentils and door and doorposts around their door using a hyssop branch. That's what the Spirit told them to do through Moses. And so they took those branches, they dipped it in the lamb's perfect blood, and they put it over their houses, and then death passed over them, and they were saved. And Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment now of that Passover. And as we appropriate his blood to us, death passes over us forever as we go into eternal life. And so there's a huge Passover connection here. We could do a whole series on all the connections between oh. Passover and the crucifixion. But the, so the fact that they mention a hyssop branch is an intentional and not an accident. And Jesus is trying, he knows this, and he wants that scripture to be fulfilled as well. I think there's also a practical motivation in that he, he's about to speak his final words, and he wants to do it loud. He wants people to hear it. This is a big moment. <laughs> um, and the reality is he has been beaten so badly, his lips are probably cracked all over the place. He may be missing teeth. There's, and we're talking about, again, this is Israel, so it is dry and nasty out. All that blood is dried and caked. His eyes are swollen shut. I think actually that's why he took that, the wine mixed with gall on the way in. They shoved a sponge to his face and he tasted it. And then he's like, no. It says once he tasted it, he said no. Well, couldn't he have seen what it is and said no before they put it to his lips? No, probably because his eyes were so swollen shut he could barely see. Um, that's a guess. 
And so anyway, I think he can barely talk right now. He says to the guy right at the foot of the class, I thirst, so that he can get something to wet his whistle enough to talk because he's about to say it is finished, which is one word to telestoy in Greek, one of the most important words that ever gets spoken in the history of the universe. He wants it to be loud. He wants to be able to enunciate it amongst all his broken lips and missing this and that and all the blood and all the stuff. And so I think there's a practical element of here of give me some of that. By the way, vinegar on open cuts, probably not a really great thing to do. I mean, as far as the pain goes, I mean, ouch. I don't know if you've ever eaten a salad with a cold sore or with a kegger sore. It's not fun. Uh, vinegar on a cut is bad, but it's worth it because he needs to get this word out. He wants it to be heard. And so that's, I think, the, probably the practical reason why he also needed something to, to wet his whistle, which is then verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head. And Jesus died. He died the same death all humans have died. And he went to the place of the dead. And it's amazing. How can God die? How can the son be separated from the father? How are those things even possible? But this is the moment where it happens. Pretty amazing. And we're going to keep talking about it next week. It seems cruel to leave you a whole week with Jesus dead. (laughs) But maybe that's okay. Maybe feel the pain of that for a week and come back and listen to it for the next podcast. Because that's what all the folks there had to do. They didn't know he was about to rise from the dead because they just, they didn't get that yet. They had heard it, but they didn't fully believe it, I don't think. Doesn't seem like any of them did, at least. And so they had to live with the pain of this for a while, so. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you. We praise you for going the way of the cross, for enduring the cross, disregarding the shame, so that you could sit down at the right hand of the Father. We bless you. Amen. Amen. See you next week. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.